Hey everyone, this is Taylor. Just wanted to let you know in today's episode, we're going to talk about the major differences between mutual funds and ETFs and which one you should have in your portfolio. It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike and I have my co-host Brad Fike with me. How are we doing today? Oh, well, we're just uh, fine and dandy. Good. That's what I like to hear. Fine and dandy. I see you're uh, highly dressed up for work today. Yeah, I'm uh, sweaty. Uh, I worked out this morning. I had a very screwed up morning schedule. So I decided to come to the office first because I needed to salt the ice, first of all, before anybody showed up. And then I've got caught up in work and you've got me doing a podcast. So I'm here in uh, sweatpants and a t-shirt that have probably a bit of an odor to it. Well, I was going to say- Maybe too much information. We're going to have to wrap this episode up real quick because I can't be stuck in a locked room with you for too long. But anyway, well, and also I was just talking to uh, mom a little bit this morning. Your Florida trip, your annual Florida trip is showing up here pretty soon. I told her to pack her, get her bags ready because there might be a day where I just say we're leaving now. <laughs> she looked at me and like, I'm not ready. I go, I can pack in you know, like 20 minutes. Yeah, you just need one pair of underwear and a t-shirt, right? Swimming Who, trunks. You're on vacation. A couple pair of shorts, two t-shirts, flip-flops, I'm good. You can pack that in a backpack. You don't need to pack much. Exactly. Well, that's exciting. I, we're going to have to figure out something for the podcast episodes. Either I'm going to have to bring on some guests or we're going to have to set you up I can with be a, live from Siesta Key Beach. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I trust you being on time to the podcast. When you're on beach time, you can just show up whenever you want. Well, you just have to go with my flow, not <laughs> yours. Island time, right? <laughs> well, anyway, today... Today, we wanted to cover a new topic. This isn't going to be a series by any means, but it's a question that actually came up in our office. Um, Brad and I got an email maybe a couple weeks ago from one of our uh, fund managers that we use for some of our clients, and they said that they are releasing an ETF, and it got us a little bit curious. Now, Brad and I have done research on ETFs you know, as part of our licensing and education process, but we've never actually used them with any of our clients. Um, and so this is the first time that we've kind of investigated some of this stuff and asked some of these questions to see, well, maybe this does make sense, maybe not. And then as I was thinking about this stuff, I thought, well, maybe this is a good conversation to have with our listeners. So by no means are Brad and I complete experts where we know everything. So I want to give that as a caveat. Hey, whoa, 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 what? Oh, okay. Maybe you're a complete expert. I'll just say that I'm not a complete expert on everything. Oh, I didn't say I was. I oh, just wanted to, I just wanted to stop that for a second. Yeah, I mean, we are professionals that know every detail about everything. We've never made a mistake. Is well, we're better? always right and we're never wrong. Oh, that's what you tell my son. <laughs> you got the grandson brainwashed on that one, but Either way, we're learning along with you guys as to what is the major differences between mutual funds and ETFs. We use a mostly mutual fund portfolio. There's other uh, products and assets that we may use with certain clients, but in the grand scheme of things, mutual funds have been a trademark for our portfolios for a long time. So to talk about exchange-traded funds or ETFs, we kind of are in, in these new waters. So we've done a little bit of research, and we want to share with you guys some of the major differences between mutual funds and ETFs, because I think a lot of people are confused. And I think maybe you, you've experienced this, Brad, with your clients, but when I've talked to people, they don't even know what's in their portfolio. Well, I have my investments with you, is what they'll tell us. Well, what's in your investments? My investments, my money. You know, That's as far as they go. They don't really fully understand what they're invested in in some cases because they don't want to do the work of researching, understanding that. Has that been your experience with people? Well, I think that's why they hire an advisor for 
some cases because they don't want to have to delve into it. They want to trust somebody else to figure it all out. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that is an experience I've uh, seen from some of my clients. I would say most of them, though, know that they have mutual funds. I would say most of them don't know about ETFs. Maybe the more, there's a lot, we do have a lot of clients that are pretty educated and read a lot about investments. So those guys would know what, e, guys and gals would know what ETFs are. But you got to, one thing that I always notice that today, the investment industry is always touting the newest, hottest thing, right? Right. And so ETFs have been out for a while. They're not brand new. They've been around for a while. But whenever you read articles, I've read many that says if you are invested in mutual funds, you're being old fashioned. You know, you need to be in ETFs because they are where the action is. And I think um, maybe some of our discussion today will will end up being that, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's the news media (laughs) running again. Here's me on my little news rant, isn't it? But, you know, that isn't always the case. Right. So if we thought that ETFs were dominantly the only way to go in investing, we would have done it long ago. And so there's downsides and upsides to both sides of that fence. Mm -hmm. And when people talk on the news, they talk in general, and they're usually touting because they're probably from an ETF organization that are just going to say that, why are you wasting your time with high-priced mutual funds? Well, first of all, there we'll talk about that too. So I'm going to stop my rant till you go to your <laughs> yeah. agenda. But boy, you could you could finish this episode right on well, out. It sounds like I just get burnt up when that you know there's only one side and people buy right. into it. You know, well, and that's that's kind of our culture in general, right? It, yeah, it, you're yeah. either on one side or the other. There's no middle ground. And what you're going to find is that most of the truth and most of the facts, it's right in that middle ground. It's not on either side. It's right in the middle. Yeah. So I I think a good place to start, and I'll, I'll kind of tap on you for some of this too, Brad, is what is a mutual fund and ETF? Are they are they drastically different? Are they similar? I think one of the ways that I like to describe uh, mutual funds or, or investments in general to my clients is there's a couple of different ways you can go. You can buy individual stocks or individual bonds or individual, you know, you could buy real estate, all kinds of different things that you can have as one asset category that you can buy and you can buy that individual piece but you end up putting all your eggs in one basket. For example, if I buy one share of Google, which they just did a big stock split, so everyone's talking about them, their prices just got super cheap to buy a share because there's more shares out there to buy. So if I buy one share of Google, that may cost me a few hundred dollars. But now all 200 or 300 or whatever it is it costs for a share of Google, all that money is in one company. Whereas if I were to instead use that $200 to buy a mutual fund or ETF, what I'm doing is I'm spreading that out. I heard somebody describe it as if you had a jar of M&Ms, a big jar of M&Ms, and each one of those M&Ms represents one company, you can either pull out one of those M&Ms and buy that, say that one M&M is Google, or you can buy the jar itself, and you can have lots of people buy this jar, and then everyone owns a little piece of every M&M in there. So there may be 500 M&Ms or 500 companies. Now, in this mutual fund or ETF, I have a little bit of all these different companies. Instead of my $200 being all locked into one company, my $200 is spread throughout and diversified over a lot of different companies. So the beauty of mutual funds or ETFs in general, this is one thing they have in common, is that they're a cheap way to diversify. You don't have to have tens of thousands of dollars to have 500 companies in your portfolio. Instead, for a lower amount, maybe four or $500, you can now have a full portfolio of hundreds of different companies. 
Yeah, they're basically a basket of stocks or a basket of bonds. That's how I always mm-hmm. describe it. Instead of buying one one individual stock, now I can get a whole bunch of them. So yeah, and, and that's the same thing for both of them. So an ETF is going to be a basket or a, a jar of M&Ms. Mm-hmm. And so is mutual funds, okay? So that's a huge common right there. Yeah, they right? have so that forget common. that because that's not a difference. Right. That's a major piece that, and, and I think what most people are thinking is that, well, an ETF is completely different from a mutual fund. Well, actually, they have more in common than they have differences in a lot of ways. Right. A lot of the differences are the minute details of how they handle that basket of stocks or that jar of M&Ms or whatever you want to call it. Those are the differences. And so I just want to lay that out there. If you have mutual funds in your portfolio or you have ETFs in your portfolio, they're probably for the same purposes. You wanted diversification for less money. You don't have to go out and buy 500 different companies. You wanted to do one purchase, $500, and have all that in all those different companies. And you could keep it a little bit lower cost. Now, here's the other myth that seems to be floating around as I was doing some research on mutual funds and ETFs. The myth is that mutual funds are actively managed investments and ETFs are passive. Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. So this is an interesting thing because um, we've been working in the investment world for, for a while now. We've seen lots of different investment you know, strategies come across our desk, whether it's a mutual fund or an ETF. And what I've noticed is, is that just because the myth is that mutual funds are actively managed doesn't make that true. I've seen lots of mutual funds, Vanguard mutual funds, which they're most famous for passively managed investments. And active versus passive, if we break that down, is an actively managed fund is something where people are buying and selling and trading on a regular basis within the portfolio. Now, they can have different types of strategies. They can be active to the point to where they're buying and selling every day and doing turnover of two, 300% of the portfolio, meaning they buy and sell the whole portfolio two or three times throughout a year. Or it could be an actively managed fund to the point to where they're a lot less active on a daily basis and they have a little bit longer term strategy. So active has a sliding scale on that one. Or you could just have a passive investment. And what that does is it just tracks one part of the market. Most popular one these days is the S&P 500. If you buy an S&P 500 uh, index fund, it's a passive strategy. It buys all 500 companies of the S&P 500 and it holds them until the S&P 500 changes. And when it changes, it buys the new companies and drops the old ones. So the active versus uh, passive argument, it's so interesting when you see it because everyone says, well, mutual funds are just active and ETFs are just passive. What we're finding is, is that there's now a ton of passive mutual funds out there, Vanguard being one of the most popular set of them. And there's actually a lot of active ETFs. We're finding different strategies in the world of ETFs that may just be focused on buying and selling tech stocks actively or different sectors of the market on a regular basis. So the argument that uh, the major difference is active versus passive, that one goes out the window, I think, at least in our experience. Yeah. And so keep that in mind, too, is that if you think that you're just concerned about, well, I don't want mutual funds because that's an active strategy and I know that's bad, that may not be the case. There may be some passive things out there. But I think what you're finding is is that the one major difference between ETFs and mutual funds um, is not so much a strategy, but it is about how often they can be bought and sold. And so depending on how the portfolio is designed, whether you have ETFs or mutual funds, that can dictate when you can trade your portfolio. So mutual funds naturally can only be traded once a day at the end of the market, so at market close. And so what you're going to find is is that at noon on 
today, you know, on a Tuesday at noon, you're not going to be able to trade your mutual fund for another mutual fund. The best thing you can do is set a trade to be made at the end of market close for the value at the end of the day. So you can't, you know, wait for the market to peak at noon. And then when it drops at three o'clock, you just capitalized at noon, right? So if you're trying to market time some of that stuff, you lose that flexibility with mutual funds. But if you have a long-term strategy that kind of gets as a wash anyway. Whereas ETFs, they're traded like stocks. You can trade them, you know, you can buy an ETF at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and sell it at 1031, you know, if you want to do something like that, if you're into that active style. Hyper trading. Hyper trading. And, you know, that's what a lot of people are doing in their new uh, stock trading apps. They get into that hyper trading mode. But ETFs have that flexibility. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing, right? And that could be something where we need that flexibility in my ETFs because I'm only holding this position for a certain strategy that I have going on. That's not what we would do with our clients personally. But there are managers out there or investments, uh, you know, people who are managing their own investments that want to do something along those lines. So that's really the biggest difference, right? So it doesn't come down to strategy as much as it comes down to when can I trade this investment? Right. That makes sense? Yeah. And uh, I think the the whole beef with me with ETFs over the last few years has been that that does encourage hyper trading or trading. Right. And if you've designed as an advisor, if we're working with a money manager or any firm that's managing the money or the portfolios, they're trading and working the system. Or if depending on what you're in, let's say you're in a passive portfolio, you're not trading anything. You, you've got a design portfolio. They're going to rebalance it on a regular basis. And that's the extent of activity there, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in an active portfolio, then that means somebody's buying, selling, and trading. In mutual fund world, like you said, they're only going to do that once a day. At the end of the day, they're going to make adjustments. So it's not hyperactivity. It's not trying the time when the market's going up or down and the money managers are doing that. And if, if you ask the advisor to go ahead and do that on top of it, now you're double down and on all this hyperactivity. Right. Where the ETF world, you know, you got that all day long kind of thing. So I guess that's been my beef is, why let somebody have that hyperactivity trading opportunity when it takes away from the long-term approach? You know, what you're trying to beat is today's market, what it's doing today. Is that a long-term approach, do you think? I don't think so, personally. So what are you doing to yourself? I right. mean, you're, you're just, you're getting all wound up about today, and then you might have made a mistake, or you might have did good, and then tomorrow, you're right back at it again. First of all, it's nerve-wracking. Second of all, you're only going to hit some of those right. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but let's just say it's 50-50. It's like flipping right. a coin. Did I time it right today or not? And so it's like, why put that into the system? So this has been my beef with ETFs. Why are we adding an element of opportunity that people think they're going to profitize on? Sure. In most cases, they're probably not going to get a real benefit out of it. Right. And so really then, when we start looking at this stuff, when you start comparing ETFs to mutual funds, it really doesn't have a whole lot to say that there's these big overarching themes that I make a decision based off of passive or active management or whatever it is. The biggest question then comes to an investor is, what's the cost? Is a mutual fund more expensive than an ETF? Well, I think what people come to the conclusion of, if they believe this myth that we talked about, is that um, actively managed funds naturally cost more than passively managed funds, right? So if you have an actively managed fund, whether it's an ETF or mutual fund, you are paying somebody, a fund manager, you're paying that person to make their daily decisions. 
whether they're buying or selling and what companies to own and all the research that they have to put into that, you pay somebody for that. And you'll see that if you actually look at whatever fund you're invested in, you can see what those expenses are. They have to tell you what the expense ratio is and that you know what those fund management fees are. So when you look and compare an active you know, mix, you could have someone who has an extremely active portfolio. It may cost you 1% or more a year in expense ratio or in fund fees to pay that person to do their job that they're saying they're going to do. Now, on the passive side, you know, if you look at some of the Vanguard funds, you may see uh, fees as low as 0.08% or 0.04% for some of those funds. Why is that? Well, there's nobody watching it, right? They set it and forget it. They pick the S&P 500 at the beginning of the year, and then they wait until they change it. So there's not a whole lot of hands-on work that takes to go into there, so you pay lower fee. So a lot of people with that, if they believe the myth that mutual funds are active and ETFs are passive, they all go, well, I want ETFs because they cost less. And I don't want mutual funds because they cost too much. But I think the argument needs to be a little bit different than what are the fees, right? Absolutely. I think the argument and the question needs to be asked is, what are those fees getting me, right? Is it possible that I could pay a half a percent to an active fund and get a better managed portfolio that has better returns than my index fund? Yeah. And what you're going to hear, here I go back to the uh, popular news media, is that they're always going to tout, well, why would you pay a money manager more when you can just go buy passive mutual funds or passive ETFs, have extremely low fees, and you'll do better than the active guys who are charging more. So there's, it's a no-brainer. You, you read this all the time. Well, and it's coming from the passive side of the world, actually. Right. And if, they'll, they'll tout some sort of research that shows that the index, like the S&P 500 itself, outperforms whoever the active manager is, right? Right. They, don't, they never tout their own fund. Let's put it that way. They never say, my index fund outperformed. They always say, the index itself, which you can't buy the S&P 500. You have to buy a fund that tracks the S&P 500, right? So just keep that in mind too. Yeah. And the, the passive guys will say that, well, you know, the indexes, which are passive, right? We're talking about the same things, yep. uh, not actively worked on every day or anything like that. They're just buying whatever the index has in it. They're mimicking that index. They'll say that the active guys mm-hmm. uh, can't beat the index Probably 75% of the time. I'm giving you a rough number. Sure. There's statistics it's out probably, there. They would probably say more than that, but you're probably so, close. But that leaves 25% of those mutual fund active guys who are beating that index, right? Correct. And of course, you can go on arguments all day long. But if you do your research and due diligence, which we have here, uh, I do believe you can find active uh, mutual fund money managers who will outperform those passive indexes. Maybe not all the time. Maybe we don't, we certainly don't know what the future is going to be on them. And we certainly do know what the past is. So there is no perfect world that says, hands down, passives cheap, they'll beat all those active guys who are expensive all day long. Right. There's two ends of that spectrum they're talking about, right? Sure. Well, there is a happy medium there because there is good and bad with both of them. Right. So for you to rule one out just because the news media says we're cheap, you don't have to worry about it, you're going to get the market returns. And those other guys are too expensive and most of them fail at it. Well, maybe a majority of them don't beat those passive ones, but there is still guys out there that are. Right. Right. And I think you have to really break down if you're, if you're going to go that route, right? The passive strategy is clear. Every passive strategy is the same. 
they pick an index, they pick something they want to track, or maybe it's a, a small part of an index. You know, they may not take the whole S&P 500. They may only take a certain sector of it. This index only tracks the, you know, tech companies in the S, whatever it is. The index and the passive strategy is always very clear. They're not going to change anything for unless something changes in that index, we're staying the same. The spectrum of active strategies, though, is much different. And that's where you have to be careful because you're right. The majority of active managers fail to beat the market on a regular basis. They may have a few good years in the mix, and that's usually the ones that they advertise. A lot of them will say, well, I made money in 2008 when everybody lost money. Okay, well, what'd you do for the last 10 years after that? You know, And it's usually a little bit ugly, right? So active strategies have a lot more variance in how they work. Like I said earlier, some active strategies, they're trading on a daily basis a ton of the portfolio. And other active strategies, and similar to some of the funds that we use, they trade on three, five, and eight-year basis. So they're looking at long-term active strategies. They're not saying so much of, hey, we have to trade every day. What they're looking at is saying, if I'm going to own this company, I'm going to look at the financials. I'm going to make decisions based off of the quality of the company, the management of the company, the future goals of the company. And then I'm going to make a decision for a long-term period to hold it. Now, not forever. And not based off of certain numbers, but based off of this, hey, I have an idea that this is a good three-year investment, or this is a good eight-year investment. And that's how they make those decisions. That's a different strategy than some of the active ones. Now, the only way you know these types of things is if you do your due diligence and read the prospectus, and you know exactly what that fund strategy is. Now, how many people have read their prospectus, do you think? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Well, you, maybe one or two out there. You and I, right? We, <laughs> we've we read them because we ha- you know we have to have them if we're going to put in the portfolio. i got to know what I'm getting into. You need a into. microscope to read them, too. Yeah, and if, uh, if you have uh, insomnia, it's a great cure for it. Put yeah. you right to sleep as you look at it. But, I mean, the idea here is that you need to know what that strategy is. If you have no idea what the strategy is, and you pay an active manager their extra fee, whether it's a half a percent, one percent, some of the hedge funds, they could charge an arm and a leg for their active strategy. If you're going to pay them that much, shouldn't you know what the strategy is and why you're doing it? I mean, that just makes sense to me. Yeah. And you, and even with that fee structure, if you look at it, what's the net return? What's the net return of the client? That's all I care about. I can pay a high fee and get a high return and make a nice net return. I can have a low return and pay a high fee and get very little return. And I can pay very little fee and have very little return, right? And be in the same boat. <laughs> or I can pay little fee and have a high return. Right. The bottom line here is net return. It's not about the fees. It should never be about the fees. Right. Fees are important, but the bottom line is what are you going to make in your portfolio at the end of the day or the end of the year or the end of the 20-year period, whatever it is? Fees are important, but they are not the only answer. And this world has gone to 100% low fees. Yeah. Our fees are the cheapest. You need to buy ours because we'll beat everybody. Well, you know what? That's not true. Sure. So, and, and they may not say it exactly like that, but that's their point. That's right. what they're trying to get you thinking in your mind. You got to come to us because our fees are so cheap. You can't not go with us. Well, and but you might be missing out on returns. You don't know that. Absolutely. Well, that's the that's the argument, right? Anymore is no commissions, no fees on trades. All the it's it's a no fee world. Everyone wants the cheapest option. But what you're saying is exactly right, Brad. It doesn't matter what your fee is. What matters is what's your net return. Fee by itself is a useless piece of data. How much do you pay for your investments? Who cares? 
right? I don't care if I pay 50% of my money for my investments. As long as my return is worth that 50%, right? You have to compare. It's like you say, it's your net return. It's your return minus your fees. And if that number is big enough, then it was worth the fees. If it's not that, then we have a bigger issue, right? Then yeah, okay. Well, I'm not. And we had this discussion about a money manager we've used in the past. We looked at it. We said, here's the returns our portfolios are getting. Here's the fee that's built internally to it. And here's the net return. Well, that seems lower than what other funds are making and what other portfolios should be making. It's below average. Well, what is it? Well, it's not the return that's holding it down. It's this big fee that's in there. And if they have no desire to reduce their fees, we have no desire to use them anymore for our clients. And that's the long story of how a lot of this stuff works is, yeah, I don't mind paying a premium. I don't mind if my clients pay a little bit more for their management as long as they're getting more bang for their buck. That's the biggest thing. Bottom line. And so when you look at mutual funds versus ETFs, if we go back to that whole conversation where we got started on this, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. If an ETF is cheaper or a mutual fund is more expensive, it doesn't matter. What matters is if you do the due diligence and check out the strategy and read about the expense ratio and look at what the expected returns are going to be, is that number enough? Is that going to fit with all the other metrics like what we've talked about in the past when we do portfolio engineering? Is that going to fit with your standard deviation and how comfortable you are with volatility and what kind of risk you want to take? Do all those things fit together to get you to your goal? And if the answer is yes, then use an ETF or a mutual fund. Whatever one gives you the yes answer, it doesn't matter. What matters is how do I get the net return that I need to meet my goals. And for all of our clients, the ones that we're talking to, it's how do I make sure I get make enough money so that I don't run out of money before I die? That's the biggest goal, right? Yeah. And uh, I think the ETF industry was designed to, to be a cheaper uh, competition to mutual funds in themselves. Sure. That's what it was designed for. And so now that you have active ETFs, uh, their fees aren't as cheap as passive ETFs, obviously. And so what you're, we're trying to figure out is, is the actual net return long-term going to be a higher average that for the same amount of risk mm-hmm. as the mutual fund industry? I still have in the back of my head, I have no proof. I haven't done any research on this, but I feel like the standard deviation or the risk factor in an in a ETF, whether it's active or passive, which can be traded constantly all day long, has to have an element of higher risk than something that's only traded at the end of the day. I don't know this for a fact. I need to do research on it because this is something that that now that we've got into this and now that our one money manager is offering ETFs, we're going to look at that. We're not going to block it out and Mm -hmm. say no, but I'm going to look at, does that affect the actual risk of a portfolio using ETFs as opposed to mutual funds? Right. Well, and that's always the question. Um, And, you know, we're talking about these things from 10,000 foot view because there is a whole different subset of different types of mutual funds, open and closed end funds. There's a whole whole subset of ETFs. So you can talk about this and, you know, until you're blue in the face, but the whole idea is that there is a lot of complexity underneath the hood of these things. This is very general. But when it comes down to it, if you want to simplify investing, the answer is how much risk am I willing to take and do the fees make it worth the amount of return that I'm going to expect to get? Those are two big factors. And, you know, does the strategy match what I'm trying to do with my retirement plan? Do all these things line up? Because there's a lot of factors that have to line up before any of this makes sense for any investor. Yeah. And I think uh, bottom line here on another point is that if your only interest 
as an investor is to make as much as you can possibly at all times, you're not for us. True. You're not for most of us guys who want to do a good, solid job for you. Heck, go out and buy every stinking speculative investment there is, and you might hit one of them and make a gold mine out of it. But if you're looking to do a nice long-term great return over long periods of time in a diversified portfolio that's going to be there when you retire and not gambled, then that's the kind of that kind of guys we are, right? Absolutely. But if you're that high roller and wants to just roll your dice, go go do your thing, man. More power to you. But I'm, I don't know how many happy days will be ahead of you. Yeah, I, I will say that I... I probably will not. I shouldn't say this forever, but at least for the nearest of futures, I'm not buying any of those uh, NFT monkeys. Have you seen those? <laughs> yeah. The the cartoon monkey pictures that are going for tens of thousands of dollars, and they, they're just on the internet. Uh, I... I don't think we're going to do that. Now, someone's probably going to get rich off of one, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to eat my words on that and say I wish I would have done it for my clients. Hindsight's always 2020. Most people are going to lose a lot, right? It's it's the new crypto world, you know? It's it's that kind of stuff. Whereas you got to decide your risk. That's number 1. How comfortable am I with risk? And how does that fit into my goals? And then we start looking at fees. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty high fee, but what do I get for that fee? So you start breaking it down into little and little smaller pieces as you go through it. And then you make your decisions. You can't just decide off of, I watched this one guy on you know this news channel or I read this one article on Yahoo Finance that said I need to buy mutual funds or I need to buy ETS. You can't just decide like that. You have to fit it into your own tailored plan. And so with that perfect transition, boy, am I getting smooth at this. Oh, your yeah. own tailored plan. Go over to fikeadvisors.com and we can meet with you to get you a tailored plan. <laughs> tell you that what. is smooth uh, you know, uh, where'd you learn this i don't probably probably from my grandpa couldn't be from my dad i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but anyway if you are looking for an advisor and you got questions on well i don't even know if i have mutual funds or etfs in my portfolio and you want us to do a portfolio analysis we've done this with lots of clients where we take a look and we break it down we open it up we use some software to look and see what's inside the portfolio, and we give you those numbers we'll tell you what the expenses are we'll tell you what the average return has been and then you can see for yourself, am I paying too much or too little? What do I need to do? What do I need to adjust? We can go through all that. So if you want to get your portfolio analyzed, head over to fikeadvisors.com. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner. It's really simple. Schedule a phone call or an in-person meeting with Brad or myself. Come into the office or we'll do even a Zoom call with you, whatever you're comfortable with, and we'll take a look at what you have. We need to see whatever investments you have now. We'll plug it into the software. We'll spit out some numbers. We'll talk about what those numbers mean. And then you can decide, am I heading in the right direction for my retirement? Am I going to be able to retire sooner or later? Is there adjustments that I can make to speed this process up? Maybe, maybe not. We'll never know unless we talk. So definitely head over to fikeadvisors.com, schedule now button in the top right corner. Anything else, Brad? No, I think that's it. We talked a lot, of, a lot about everything today as far <laughs> as uh, passive and active and uh, so I think um, if anything, maybe you guys are all confused. I don't know. But bottom line is uh, still just worry about your own portfolio. Either you're doing it yourself or with an advisor. Don't listen to the general media once again. Yeah, it's got to be for you and your family. So if you guys are still listening here, we're at the end of the episode. If you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple and leaving us a rating or review on there on iTunes, that would be amazing. That helps us get some word out there. Same thing on Spotify. If you give us a good rating, 
And we'd love if you want to share our episodes with your family and friends. If you know someone who's been asking some investing questions or they're heading towards retirement or there's things going on in their life where they kind of need some help with some of these things, we'd be happy to, uh, we'd be happy if you could share us with them. Um, we are going to do this episode, an episode every couple weeks, uh, and we want to make sure that we get some good content out for them. And as well, if you have questions and you're saying, man, it'd be really good to hear Brad and Taylor's opinion on this question, shoot me an email, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R at FikeAdvisors.com. If you send me an email, what we can do is we can read that question on air and Brad and I can talk about it. Now, I don't know if you're going to get great content out of it because you'll probably catch us off guard, but we'll have fun with it at the very least. And you'll walk away with maybe some good information. So Yeah, please tell others about us because I kind of feel lonely sitting in here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's probably because you're coming from your workout and you stink. Oh, <laughs> you scared why, all your friends away. That's why nobody in the office wants to be around me this That's morning. right. Go take a shower or something. All right, guys. Well, have a good rest of your week and we'll talk soon. Goodbye. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.